Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 34, taken from the book Poet's Corner, is entitled The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, Parts 5, 6, and 7. The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner is about sin and redemption, and the steps of repentance necessary to receive redemption. In podcast one of the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, the Mariner leaves the harbor among cheers. However, they travel on strange seas and are lost, and the Mariner commits a terrible sin. He shoots an innocent albatross, which brings bad luck to the ship. The other Mariners hang the albatross around the Mariner's neck for punishment. In podcast two of the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, they see the death ship. The Mariner survives, but all of the members of the crew die of thirst. The Mariner is not only cursed by the other crew members as they die, he is also cursed for his sin by being plunged into a kind of living hell. Finally, redemption begins to come to the Mariner, and angels help him drive the ship toward his own country. The stanzas bring to mind the time the Savior calmed the seas. Linda, would you please read Mark 4, 36-41? And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The mariner falls into a trance, and the mariner hears two voices, one critical of the mariner's behavior, the other sympathetic. The voice critical of the mariner asks the softer voice, What is driving the ship? While still in the trance, the mariner overhears the conversation and is led to understand that the ship is driven by supernatural means. The voices are discussing the fate of the ancient mariner. This, the final podcast on the rhyme of the ancient mariner, opens as the two heavenly voices continue speaking. First voice. But tell me, tell me, speak again, thy soft response renewing. What makes that ship drive on so fast? What is the ocean doing? Second voice, still as a slave before his lord, the ocean hath no blast, his great bright eyes most silently up to the moon is cast. If he may know which way to go, for she guides him smooth or grim, see, brother, see, how graciously she looketh down on him. First voice, but why drives on that ship so fast without a wave or wind? Second voice, The air is cut away before and closes from behind. Fly, brother, fly more high, more high, or we shall be belated. For slow and slow that ship will go when the mariner's trance is abated. The mariner comes out of his trance and finds that the seas are calm and the ship is still moving forward. It is still manned by the dead men. The dead bodies, however, do not have the souls of their former occupants, but have the spirits of angels. The mariner is made aware of his awful sin as the dead bodies glare at him speechless. His penance is not yet complete, as the two voices said. I woke, and we were sailing on as in a gentler weather. 
twas night, calm night, the moon was high, the dead men stood together. All stood together on the deck for a carnal drungeon fitter, all fixed on me their stony eyes that in the moon did glitter. The pang, the curse with which they died had never passed away. I could not draw my eyes from theirs, nor turn them up to pray. And now this spell was snapped. Once more I viewed the ocean green, and looked far forth, yet little saw of what had else been seen. Like one that on a lonesome road doth walk in fear and dread, and having once turned around walks on, and turns no more his head, because he knows a frightful fiend doth close behind him tread. The fear, however, leaves the mariner, and he begins to feel peace again. But soon there breathed a wind on me, nor sound nor motion made. Its path was not upon the sea, in ripple or in shade. It raised my hair, it fanned my cheek like a meadow gale of spring. It mingled strangely with my fears, yet it felt like a welcoming. Swiftly, swiftly flew the ship, yet she sailed softly too. Sweetly, sweetly blew the breeze, on me alone it blew. Finally, the mariner sees his own shore. He has been brought safely home. Once again, he is able to pray. The church comes into view and gives him great comfort. Oh, dream of joy! Is this indeed the lighthouse top I see? Is this the hill? Is this the kirk? Is this mine own country? We drifted o'er the harbor bar, and I with sobs did pray. Oh, let me be awake, my God! or let me sleep alway. The harbor bay was clear as glass, so smoothly it was strewn, and on the bay the moonlight lay, and the shadow of the moon. The rock shone bright, the kirk no less, that stands above the rock, the moonlight steeped in silentness, the steady weathercock. And the bay was white with silent light, till rising from the same, so many shapes that shadowed were in crimson colors came. The mariner looks again at the dead men, and he sees a heavenly vision. The curse is gone from their eyes, and an angel stood by each corpse. A little distance from the prow those crimson shadows were. I turned my eyes upon the deck. Oh, Christ, what saw I there? Each corpse lay flat, lifeless and flat, and by the holy rood, a man all light, a seraph man, on every course there stood. This seraph band, each waved his hand, it was a heavenly sight. They stood as signals to the land, each one a lovely light. This seraph band, each waved his hand, no voice did they impart, no voice, but oh, the silence sank like music on my heart. The mariner then hears human voices for the first time since the tragedy. But soon I heard the dash of oars, I heard the pilots cheer. My head was turned perforce away, and I saw a boat appear. The pilot and the pilot's boy, I heard them coming fast. Dear Lord in heaven, it was a joy the dead men could not blast. It is the third voice, however, that brought greater cheer, the voice of the good hermit. I saw a third, I heard his voice, it is the hermit good. He singeth loud his godly hymns that he makes in the wood. He'll shrive my soul, he'll wash away the albatross's blood. To shrieve means to absolve, to grant absolution through confession. 
As part of the penance, the mariner must now confess his sins and take ownership of them. The old hermit is worthy and listens to the confessions of seafaring men. Part the Seventh This hermit good lives in that wood which slopes down to the sea. How loudly his sweet voice he rears. He loves to talk with mariners that come from a far country. He kneels at morn and noon and eve. He hath a cushion plump. It is the moss that wholly hides the rotted old oak stump. However, the men in the boat are horrified at what they see. The skiff boat neared, I'd heard them talk. Why, this is strange, I trow. What are those lights so many and fair that signal made but now? Strange, by my faith, the hermit said, and they answered not our cheer. The planks looked warped, and see those sails, how thin they are and sheer. I never saw aught like to them unless perchance it were. Brown skeletons of leaves that lag my forest brook along, when the ivy tot is heavy with snow, and the outlet whoops to the wolf below that eats the she-wolf's young. The frightened captain wants to turn back, but the good hermit urges him to continue. Dear Lord, it hath a fiendish look, the pilot made reply. I am afeard. Push on, push on, said the hermit cheerily. The boat came closer to the ship, but I nor spake nor stirred. The boat came close beneath the ship, and straight a sound was heard. Before they can rescue the mariner, the ship sinks to the bottom of the bay. However, the mariner does not drown. Under the water it rumbled on, still louder and more dread. It reached the ship, it split the bay, the ship went down like lead. Stunned by the loud and dreadful sound which sky and ocean smote, like one that hath been seven days drowned, my body lay afloat. But swift as dreams myself I found within the pilot's boat. Upon the whirl where sank the ship, the boat spun round and round, and all was still, save that the heel was telling of the sound. The sight of the mariner was too much for the crew. I moved my lips, the pilot shrinked, and fell down in a fit. The holy hermit raised his eyes and prayed where he did sit. I took the oars. The pilot's boy, who now doth crazy go, laughed loud and long, and all the while his eyes went to and fro. Ha, ha, quoth he, full plain to see the devil knows how to row. Finally, the mariner stands on firm ground, but he is the only calm one. And now all in my own country I stood on the firm land. The hermit stepped forth from the boat, and scarcely he could stand. The mariner asked the old hermit to hear his confession. Oh, shrieve me, shrieve me, holy man, the hermit crossed his brow. Say quick, quoth he, I bid thee say what manner of man art thou. Once the mariner confesses his sin, he is momentarily set free. Forthwith this frame of mine was wrenched with a woeful agony, which forced me to begin my tale and then it left me free. However, as the earlier angel said, and penance more will do, the mariner is only free for a while, and then the Aiken begins again. He must repeat his tale, but not just to anyone. He knows the person when he meets him. Only this time he no longer tells the tale just for himself. The person, such as the wedding guest, must also hear the tale. Though the experience of the wedding guest is only vicarious, his life is changed forever. 
since then, at an uncertain hour, that agony returns, until my ghastly tale is told, this heart within me burns. I pass, like night, from land to land, I have strange power of speech, that moment that his face I see, I know the man that must hear me, to him my tale I teach. We are back, of course, to the wedding, and we see it from the point of view of the wedding guest. What loud uproar bursts from the door, the wedding guests are there, but in the garden bower the bride and bridesmaid singing are, and hark the little vesper bell which biddeth me to prayer. In the following you can see the profound effect the experience had in the mariner. He has changed forever. Now the mariner is a witness for Christ about the power of the redemption. Before, the mariner merely attended church. Now, following the experience, he worships in church. It is a tremendous spiritual experience where he renews his covenants. But he is retelling the tale not just for himself, but for the benefit of the wedding guest. We must assume that what the ancient mariner learned, the wedding guest must also learn, or his worship is not complete. O wedding guest, this soul hath been alone on a wide, wide sea, so lonely t'was that God himself scarce seemed there to be. O sweeter than the marriage feast, tis sweeter far to me, to walk together to the kirk with a goodly company. To walk together to the kirk and all together pray, while each to his great father bends old men and babes and loving friends, and youth and maidens gay. The mariner becomes the preacher. He testifies of Christ, whom he now knows because of his redeeming power. He has felt the horrors of loneliness and hell and the sweet feelings of forgiveness and redemption brought about because of his Savior's love. Farewell, farewell, but this I tell to thee, thou wedding guest. He prayeth well who loveth well both man and bird and beast. He prayeth best, who loveth best, all things, both great and small. For the dear God, who loveth us, he made and loveth all. The wedding guest, who so naively attended the wedding, is now also changed forever. The mariner, whose eye is bright, whose beard with age is hoar, is gone, and now the wedding guest turn from the bridegroom's door. He went like one that hath been stunned, and is of sense forlorn. A sadder and a wiser man, he rose the morrow morn. The mariner now becomes a witness for Christ. He knows by the Spirit who must hear his tale. His mission now is to bring others to Christ through his experience, so they won't have to suffer what he has suffered. His witness is of the pure love of Christ. Linda, would you repeat the last words of advice the mariner gave to the wedding guest? Farewell, farewell, but this I tell to thee, thou wedding guest. He prayeth well, who loveth well, both man and bird and beast. He prayeth best, who loveth best, all things, both great and small. For the dear God, who loveth us, he made and loveth all. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.